I wonder who your role models were growing up. Who were those people that inspired you? Who were those people that you took notice of and dreamed of emulating? Maybe you longed to kick a football like Archie Gemmell or hit a tennis ball like Andy Murray. Maybe you longed to perform like Ronrig or sing like Adele. Maybe you wanted to be the next Elizabeth Fry or Martin Luther King. Or maybe you wanted to follow on in the family business. Raise children like your parents had raised you. Or show someone the kindness that had been shown to you. Just before he left us, I asked Theo what had led him to want to become a dentist. And his answer was that a dentist back home in Malaysia had treated him kindly when he was a scared little child. He'd worked on his teeth and he wanted to be like him. Who were your role models growing up? And in what way does your life reflect them now? I wonder if our role models differ depending on whether we are male or female. Are men usually inspired by men and women by other women? Or is it much more flexible than that? I hope so. Surely there are things that we can all be inspired by no matter what the gender of the person. But one of the really positive things taking place in our world at the moment is that many young people, many young women, are being given a range of new role models. As I speak, the Lionesses are playing in the Euro 22 Cup final at Wembley. There will be a sellout crowd of over 82,000 people. And one of the things that I've heard multiple times through this tournament is that you cannot be it if you cannot see it. You cannot be it if you cannot see it. Girls are not going to aspire to be great footballers if they do not see women's football on the TV. And the same is true for women in acting and politics and business and music and the church. You cannot be it if you cannot see it. But things are changing. Just think of some of the great role models that young women have in their lives today. Alongside the Lionesses, we have the Duchess of Cambridge, Greta Thunberg, Malala Yousafzai, Michelle Obama. This week, Alison Britton was named the first female chair of the Premier League. Elena Zelensky spoke out bravely as the first lady in Ukraine. Liz Truss became favourite to be the next Prime Minister. Women are still loved as great mothers and wonderful carers within the community, but they are now being seen as great business people, sports stars and moral and political guides. Euro 22 hopes to inspire a new generation of women in sport. But I hope these strong women that we've just mentioned inspire all of us, male and female alike, towards bigger and better things. We all need role models in life. For it's true, you cannot be it if you cannot see it. In Proverbs 31, we get given a very positive role model to look at. And this role model is a woman. Sometimes the Bible gets unfairly criticised for the way it portrays women. But I wonder how many of those critics have read this chapter. 
For this is a very positive view of womanhood, a celebration of all the potential and value that women carry. In the original Hebrew, each verse of this reading begins with the next letter of the alphabet. So this really is the A to Z of the incredible worth of having strong women in our lives and in the world at large. But just before we get into it, there's a note of context I'd like to make clear because it's important for our understanding. Proverbs 31 is poetry, not biography. Proverbs 31 is also part of a book specifically addressed to young men, many of whom are in search for a wife, not to the young women themselves. So we must realise that there's an element of idealism about these verses. The fact that Proverbs 31 is recorded in the Bible does not mean that every woman has to be this woman. For starters, very few women have the wealth and opportunities that this woman does. And to be totally honest with you, if every Christian woman was this woman, many Christian husbands like me would be running away scared. So please, let's not read Proverbs 31 as being literally prescriptive for all women, for that would do great damage. Rather, let's imagine a mother and a father guiding their adolescent son on what to look for in a wife. That description is always going to be a little bit exaggerated. It's going to emphasize key qualities. And mothers and fathers would do exactly the same thing as they tried to guide their daughter on what to look for in a potential husband. They would emphasize and exaggerate. And this is what Proverbs 31 is, and we must treat it as such. But there is one thing that Proverbs 31 does that I really want us to take notice of this evening. Proverbs 31 describes in very practical terms the difference that following God makes to our daily lives. Proverbs 31 is about the transformation that takes place when we follow the wisdom of God. And it's for this reason that without doubt, both men and women are supposed to read this chapter and both men and women should be greatly inspired by it. So with that note of caution in mind, let's now explore this celebration of godly womanhood. What do we need to see here in order to be it in our lives? The first thing that we need to notice about this is that this woman is defined by her character and nothing else. What do I mean by that? Well, let's notice that this woman is defined by her character and not by her looks. This week, an advert was released by the Spanish government. This poster came with the caption, Every woman is beach body ready. And it was an attack on the attitude that women must be slim and beautiful if they want to wear swimwear in public. It was an attack on all those in society who try to define women just by the way they look. Because that unfair and sexist attitude has put untold pressure on women and led to all sorts of emotional harm and even eating disorders. 
But just look at Proverbs 31. Nowhere at all does it say what this woman looks like. We don't know what colour her hair is or how smooth her skin is, how big her breasts are or how shapely her legs. We don't know if she's beautiful or youthful or sensual in any way. And why is that? Because it's completely irrelevant. All women are made in the image of God, no matter what they look like. All men are made in the image of God, no matter what they look like. What was it the Bible said in 1 Samuel 16? The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This woman is defined by her character, not by her looks. And what a character it is. This woman is described in verse 10 as being of noble character. The Hebrew word here is usually translated heroic or mighty. It's actually a term usually referred to in warfare, where a noble soldier would be someone who was brave and courageous and physically strong. In verse 25, she is again described as strong and dignified and hope-filled and joyous. So this is not someone who is emotional or weak or vulnerable, as women are often portrayed. Quite the opposite. She is as forthright as any man. She is a mother and a warrior. And I really want us to hear this tonight. Both men and women, God is not interested in the way we look. He's not interested in the influential people we have around them, uh, around us. What he cares about is our character. It's our character that he wants to help us to work on. It's our character that brings him honour and delight. And if you take nothing else away from this sermon, I want you to take this. Our character is the most important thing we have. It takes a lifetime to build it and a moment to ruin it. Our character is really important. The second thing I want us to notice about this woman is that she is defined not by what she consumes, but by what she produces. So much of the advertising targeted towards a woman today is on the basis of what she consumes. Women are often seen as shoppers. In today's society, women are defined by the perfume they wear, the, the handbags they own, the superfoods that they eat. Marketing companies invest millions to attract women to their cars and their clothes and their whiskey. And of course, it works in reverse as well. Do you remember that Yorkie chocolate bar campaign from a few years ago? Yorkie is not for girls. In our materialistic world, both women and men are often defined by what they consume. This particularly happens to women. But the woman of Proverbs 31 is not a consumer. She is an extraordinary producer. The only note we have of her buying anything comes in verse 16, where she buys a field. But then very quickly we read of what she does with it. She works hard and plants a vineyard. 
This is a woman of great commercial and business acumen. This is a woman who knows how to run a productive home. In verse 21, we're told that she has no fear of winter because she works vigorously and requires little beyond that which she personally produces. When you work hard to provide for yourself and others, it reduces your anxiety because you are less at the mercy of the winds of change. But this is not just hard-nosed efficiency. This woman is also artistic and she's creative. She makes beautiful linens for her beds and, and garments and sashes to sell. You know, our world is obsessed by consumption. As we begin to see more and more the ravages that climate change is making, we can see the huge damage that overconsumption is causing. So many people today are defined by what they buy. The purchases on their Amazon Prime account. What a helpful corrective this is then to see a woman who is championed for what she produces. You know, we worship the Creator God. The God who took great delight in making our extraordinary world. And that same God made us as human beings in his image. He made us to be creative too. He made us to look after his world and even improve it by seeing that it reaches its full potential. So God loves to see us produce good things. Be it art or music or business success, be it a garden, a house, children. Be it a fine meal for the family in an evening or a whiskey to be enjoyed with your friends. Be it a beach mission for children. We are made to be creative. And God loves it when we produce good things for him and others. So let's note then the role model we are set in Proverbs 31 is a woman defined by her character, not her looks, and a woman who is defined by what she produces, not what she consumes. The third thing that we need to notice about this woman is that she is defined by servanthood, not status. As we read through this poem, it becomes obvious that this is a woman of considerable wealth. She's got a big house. She's got servants. She's got fields. She's got vineyards. She's got fine clothes. She's got luxurious bed linen. She's clearly been well educated. She clearly comes from a very significant family. This woman has status. She's looked up to. She would have had clout within the community. But this woman does not allow her wealth and her privilege to afford her to be idle all day. This is not the dowager in Downton Abbey who takes tea all afternoon. Quite the opposite. Despite her great status, what she is known and celebrated for is her service of others. She brings good to her husband all the days of her life. She even serves her servants by providing food for them. The poetry of verses 19 and verse 20 are fantastic. She closes her hand around her spinning equipment so she can open it again to the poor and the needy with the proceeds. In verse 26, she's spoken of as a teacher 
giving instruction to those who need it. And the teaching here is explicitly religious at times because the Hebrew of this verse contains the word Torah. She's passing on the faithful instruction of God's word to those who've not heard it. This woman is a leader, but with compassion. A person with power, but she uses it on behalf of others. A person who produces much, but is charitable and generous with it. She may have had great status, but that's not what she's defined by. She's defined by her service of others. And it goes without saying that in this, she is a great role model to us all. Now, I'm sure by now, many of us are starting to wonder, well, what is this woman's secret? Here she is, this woman of of substance and character, a woman who produces items of great value and beauty, a woman who, though powerful, serves all that she meets. No wonder this woman is precious to her husband. She's a rare find, more valuable than rubies. No wonder she's adored by her children. No wonder she's honoured by the community as they gather at the city gate. What is her secret? Well, we're told very plainly what makes this woman so special. She fears the Lord. Verse 30 contains the key to this whole passage. Indeed, as we as a church have discovered over the last 11 weeks, verse 30 contains the key to the whole book of Proverbs. Here it is. Charm is deceptive. And beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs has told us again and again that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is passed on to us to help us to make the very best of our lives. Fear of the Lord, as we've said many times, it's not terror of God. It's a healthy respect for the creator and the king and the judge of the universe. It's a reverence for the God who is perfectly holy and unstoppably powerful. And it's this humble attitude before God that has shaped all that this woman is. It's the fear of the Lord that motivates her to fulfill her calling in her home, in her marriage, in her vineyard, in the marketplace. Her energy and her stamina come from a submission to God. Her passion comes from God's direction. It's a fear of the Lord that keeps this woman going through discouragement. And gives her hope for the future. For when you fear God, you have nothing else to fear. It's the fear of the Lord that means that this woman lives without any divide between the sacred and the secular. She is not different on a Sunday to how she is on a Monday. Because she knows God is present. She knows God is watching. And so she gives her best in all that she does. 
It's her prayer and her worship and her devotion to God that creates the balance and the wholeness in her life. This poem comes at the end of the book of Proverbs because this is a poem about wisdom personified. This is wisdom revealed in character. This is what we start to look like when we put God first in all that we do. Our character blossoms. We produce things of great beauty and blessing to others. And we start to serve those around us, particularly those in need. We said earlier that when it comes to role models, you cannot be it if you cannot see it. Well, Proverbs 31 gives us a glimpse of what we can become, both men and women. If we follow the values and the principles by which this woman lives her life, we can all begin to change, to be more like Jesus. We need to take the time to reflect on scripture and the Bible, and we'll begin to live effective and beautiful lives. But I want to finish by saying one thing. The great climax that this whole series has been heading to. Alongside the woman of Proverbs 31, there is someone else described in scripture by their upstanding character and the life that they produce and their service of others. There is someone in the Bible who fulfills this woman perfectly and indeed the whole of Proverbs. And that person, of course, is Jesus. We have no idea what Jesus looked like, but he had the most beautiful character ever seen. We know practically nothing about what Jesus consumed, but we know he produced hope and joy and peace in those who followed him and even life from the grave. Jesus had the status of king of kings, but he served us with his life, even going to the cross for our salvation. Can you see, Jesus is the fulfillment of wisdom. If we put what we read in the Bible into practice, we become more and more like him. In scripture, we see Jesus so we can become like Jesus. So male or female, the woman of Proverbs 31 is a great role model to us. Let's begin to fear the Lord and search out wisdom. Male or female, let's make Jesus our ultimate role model. Because if we do, our characters will blossom. The kingdom will be built and God will get the glory that he deserves.